Hello and welcome to Ringer FC. I'm Ryan O'Hanlon, live in New York with yeah. Donnie Kwok. Yeah. And uh, we've kidnapped Chris and Micah and put them in a closet and you guys are never going to hear from either of them again. So it's <laughs> the Donnie, Donnie and Ryan podcast. <laughs> not true. Not entirely true. We're both here in Los Angeles. Uh, yes, we are recording inside of a broom closet. The diamond midfield, though. In effect. <laughs> <laughs> I think we are actually in a broom closet, literally. Um... Yeah, so finally had a weekend of Premier League games uh, after the dreadful international break. Um, and we're just going to get right into some massive overreactions. Skip the news, because the news is our overreaction, which is the best man to save West Brom from relegation is Tony Pulis, who was just fired by West Brom. Discuss. <laughs> discuss. Uh, I might, my thing is cash rules everything around me. Uh, that's my reaction to this because this is another example of the, the prospect of being relegated is so odious to these guys who spend so much money on these clubs and there's Chinese investment in West Brom right now. They used to be the paragon of stability, whether, you know, every once in a while they would get relegated, but it was always just that ticking over, whether it was Mowbray running them, like Hodgson's had had a spell there, right? And now you kind of have this seesaw going back and forth between putting the club in a safe pair of hands, and this is happening with West Ham, this is happening uh, all over the place where it's like, do you want a safe pair of hands? Crystal Palace is an example. Or do you want to have a team aesthetic identity that you see on the field? And Mowbray actually, I'm sorry, Pulis actually had neither because his football was bad and he never won games. He had only won like, what, two games since like last March? What was What's the stat on that? Uh, I think it's it's like three in their last, that second half well, of last year. they started the season with eight Eight points, I think, in the first five. They're right. winless in their last ten. Right. right. And so that's just not going to – you have to get your three points here. You know you I mean? You, the days of just sort of grinding out draws and, and getting a couple wins towards the back end of the season, I, I just think this league is too competitive and the trickle-down of clubs that have become better, whether it's Burnley or Watford, uh, that are putting the pressure on these managers who would like to just play really tight belt football is really tough. And, and – Look, Poulos has a stopwatch on his on his message. I just don't think you can listen to it for that long. Yeah, I mean, well, like it's it's twelve matches in the season, and there's five managers have been sacked. I mean, and on top and of that, you have to kind of factor in the fact that the January transfer window is coming up. Do you trust this manager with all this money that you're about to like? If you're going to spend on players, do you think that that manager is going to be able to organize them in the right way? But at the same time. Tony Poulos doesn't have a like long history of getting relegated either. No, and they're and they are literally like they're four points from being in in eleventh. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's not like this isn't relegation. Like they have been cut and they're floating out there like Clooney and gravity. Like they they are within touching distance. Ryan. Yeah. Well, that's that's the sort of what makes this an interesting sacking. I think is that Poulos is the guy you hire to save your team from relegation, right? And so you're not going to bring are you going to bring in a defensive manager manager to fix the defense when you have probably the greatest defensive manager in the Premier League as your manager already so then do you bring in like a like the names that like Alan Pardew is being thrown around but he doesn't is he a he's not a reliable like definitely going to save us from relegation he could like you know maybe West Brom scores 
four goals all of a sudden, but it doesn't seem like a safe bet. I mean, if the only if the only goal here is to save yourself from relegation, then maybe these teams like Brom, et cetera, should just cycle through managers like every five games. And you get the new manager boost. <laughs> because as Chris said, they're not they're not gonna threaten for Europe. They're they're, they're really the only thing they can accomplish this year is not get relegated. So Yeah. Well, do, I, do you guys do you think that that is like and there's that, no identity. That's sort of Tony Pulis's like goal every season, right? It's to not get relegated. He's basically said that. Do you think that is like a here's the like problem? How, you can't have that message every season. Yeah, right? but here's the problem with Tony Pulis on like say, I don't know, Dyche. You know what I mean? So Sean Dyche, who has got Burnley off to one of their greatest starts in club history and is closer to the top four than he is in relegation, and he's doing it all on a budget that fits the club. Tony Pulis is notorious. For spending money, shall we say, and also for the ways in which he spends money, which is Google, Tony Poulos, and Bungs. <laughs> so I'm just saying he doesn't engender a lot of goodwill necessarily from front offices and ownerships when it's like, I, I am putting out a very expensive pile of dog shit. And also have been accused of taking stuff on the side from the past in, in terms of the deals that I've made. So I think they, West Brom did spend a little bit of money in the offseason, correct? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, well, I think it goes back to the larger point you were making in the first place, which is that the these mid-table clubs function in this weird sort of purgatory where they just – and then they court managers like NBA players court the same – like batch of women that they date they they date like there's only <laughs> 360 people in this midwestern town and I cannot go outside of that there's the, the names that are being considered are Nigel Pearson and Alan Pardew that's yeah. always the case like if there's an open job at a mid-table to bottom table club one of those people is going to have it there's, don't forget big sam there you go well and then it's like so if you're replacing Pulis with big sam like what are you doing really they're essentially the same manager in a lot of ways. They accomplish the same thing. Yeah, you're just tr- you're just trading life ha- rafts with holes in them. You know? Yeah, well, I, it's like I was thinking about, I, we talked about the day of United last week, but there's that scene in the tunnel with Jim Broadbent, and he's talking to... Uh, wh- Michael what's Sheen. Yeah, Michael yeah. Sheen, and he's just like... Brian Clough. Yeah. Bri- as Brian Clough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Brian Clough is just like, you. nobody would have ever heard of you if, you, if it wasn't for me. He's talking about like being in charge of Derby County. And he goes, let me explain how like football works to you. <laughs> like It's like there's the chairman, and then there's the directors, and then there's the fans, and then there's the players. And then at the very bottom, there's the manager. The manager can change because the, cha- the manager has to change. There has to be some sort of change immediately. They have to do something, so they sack the manager. What what can Shaolin Soccer tell us about the Tony Pulis situation? <laughs> <Yes>. Donnie, <laughs> Donnie, Donnie, would you like to come to bat for Shaolin Soccer once more? You know what? The only person, I, I don't even think Tony Pulis is surprised that he's gone. Last Friday, he showed up at a press conference and he was sort of like presenting this list of attributes. And as the Guardian yeah. pointed out in the Fiverr, like his, his resume was like, we didn't get relegated. But the problem is you didn't get relegated. That's the only thing you have to say for yourself. You still spent $40 million this this summer. You still got... Uh, Kuchowiak from from PSG. I mean, you got these players in, and this is what you put out, and this is what the and if the fans turn on you at West Brom, you're screwed because this is not a global entity that has international fandom. This is they are reliant on support. So more than even worrying about losing the dressing room, he's got to worry about losing the fan base. He lost it. We'll see if Nigel Pearson can play a slightly more attractive version of Rule One Football. <laughs> 
<laughs> Attractive Route One football, I think, is a is an impossibility based on the definitions of those two words. <laughs> um, all right, moving on to the second one. Um, t- actually, talking about attractive football, the best goal scorer in the EPL cannot shoot. I mean, I don't know that I'd say that he can't shoot based on the first goal, but I mean, like, if we're talking about. <laughs> You know, on average over time, then yeah, I guess that is true. His finishing is so we're talking about Mohamed Salah from Liverpool. And Ryan, the thing I wanted to ask you about him is is this what advanced analytics looks like? (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. I hate to say it, but I think it is. You don't hate to say it, it's expected goals, Salah. And so you might not get the product that you're used to seeing, it might not be this guy who's just. Oh, the fox in the box finisher. It's Harry Kane. He just like everything that touches his foot goes in the back of the net. It's a guy who's going to shoot in volume and he's going to miss and then he's going to make them. Mean, it, it's, it's like, like this, this game is sort of the his game on Saturday was sort of the argument for like the idea of what actually matters is how often you're shooting because there have been games this season where like he'll square up a ball on the right side with his left foot and he just won't be able to bend the ball. Mm-hmm. It like looks like he can't bend a ball. And then he scores a goal from 25 yards out and bends it into the upper corner. And he's also missed one-on-ones with keepers um, this season countless times. But then this game, he gets played in on a th- through ball from Coutinho and just one touches it right under the keeper. So it, like this game sort of shows you that like finishing is a thing that sort of varies from game to game. And it, the fact that you're just shooting is what ultimately matters. And he's not even a striker. Yeah, he's he's a a winger. This is the first time uh, this season that Coutinho played with Firmino, Mane, and Salah, uh, which is Mm -hmm. sort of mind-blowing to think about. Donnie, I know we're going to get into stuff about the North London Derby later on, but it it has been sort of a season of what-ifs except for everybody except for Manchester City. You know, what if Pogba... And Modic had played the entire season. Where would United be? What if Liverpool had had Coutinho, Mane, Firmino, and Salah going full bore the whole season? What if uh, Wenger would have played Ozil, Sanchez, and Lacazette together the entire season? All these what ifs. And meanwhile, it doesn't matter because City is going to walk the table. Yeah, I mean, I was telling Ryan earlier that I kind of wish, you know, all the big teams that you mentioned played really big this weekend and it seems like the first time that they've all played that well on the same day or in the same slate of games Uh, I kind of wish the season was starting now because City is off to such a huge lead that it's kind of moot you know like to contend for the title but it just means that two through six and seven are going to be really tight races yeah we Chris and I have talked about this a little bit about sort of Certain leagues in Europe are are trying to find ways to add more uncertainty to how the final table ends up. And in the Belgian league, they play like a first round of games against every team. And then they they have your point total halfway through the season. So if you have, you know, 25 points or 26 points, you then get dropped down to 13. So it makes the second half of the season worth more. Sounds really essentially. So I'm... <laughs> I'm pulling, I'm advocating for that to be instituted in the EPL. This Are you season. really? I mean, it'll make it more enjoyable. You have the point total after 19 games. Yeah. And then have the point total after the second half and then combine. 
Yeah, I think that's what it is. Okay. So it, it just, it basically, the second half of the season is more important than the first in a lot of ways. Right. Um, just to create more sort of uncertainty and make it more like a playoffs type system in the second half. Right. Um, do you guys think that, you know, we saw Coutinho being rumored for a hundred and whatever million pounds, Thomas Lamar, um, around the same thing, you know, Salah was 40 million. Is that like, like if Liverpool sold him next summer, I feel like they could get triple digits for him. Oh, absolutely. So is that, is there a better <laughs> value for money, um, transfer from this past summer? I'm this not a real, I'm not a reliable objective. narrator here. Yeah, I can't answer I'm, this question. <laughs> and that's why I'm asking because um, I can't answer it either. Yeah, I mean, like considering Kalasinak on a free. <laughs> that's true. Infinite value. <laughs> <laughs> oh, upscaled nightclub bouncer. Um, no, but I mean, like for I, I was. There's no way that anybody saw 14 goals in 18 games in all competitions coming. From, from Mo Salah. I think that, yeah, value-wise, probably the best signing of the summer in the Premier League. Would you rather have uh, Salah for that or Richarlison for $11.2 million? Ooh. I mean, Richarlison doesn't have nearly as many goals, though. Yeah, yeah. I know. But yeah. but more long-term, maybe not maybe not more long-term potential, but... Just more years. Yeah, he hasn't yeah. ceiling. He's 20. He ceiling. Yeah. yeah. He's 20, and he looks like he's been playing in the Premier League for five years. Yeah. yeah. I, mm, no? It's not a question. Yeah, I, bad, <laughs> bad question. <laughs> does, does Salah remind anyone of uh, Freddie Lumberg a little bit? Um, he doesn't hug the sideline as much as Lumberg used to. I feel like, yeah. well, actually, Pires is better at that. At that I guess I, 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 I leave that to you, uh, Mr. Gunner. I feel Gunner like Lumberg was definitely more disciplined, was he not? Yeah. What does that mean? Like I, I don't. I, <laughs> well, he didn't know what expected goals were. He didn't know what expected exactly. goals were. So if Freddie Lumberg had known what XG was, he might have just been firing them off from everywhere. <laughs> we should move from Salah to Pogba now. Get give Mike a chance. Yes. Can we just okay. can, I, can we read the Donnie note in our Google Doc that plans out this podcast, please? Yeah. What a shocker that this pod would be talking about Salah and Pogba. What are the odds? <laughs> question mark exclamation point question mark. Donnie, yeah, are you I'll, sure you don't have like tons of burner accounts that just harass people on I Twitter think he about this stuff? Absolutely does. He yeah. just he just I think he has one burner account that he just. Basically, screenshots Pogba's Instagram and just makes complaints about the new hairstyle that he has. Yeah, it is weird that like articles we write that are about like Atletico Madrid somehow commentators are like, "What about Arsenal?" <laughs> <laughs> um, but moving on to the third overreaction, Paul Pogba is an above-average soccer player. <laughs> um, you know, to the chagrin of my hating ass friend Donnie over there, um, <laughs> I would like to say that that is a supreme understatement. I mean, just having him back in the team is, I mean, like we're back to giving people four pieces again. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm supremely happy about that. On top of that, like just the fact that his, uh, I don't know, it's just so much quality. Like he just looks so much better than yeah, everyone else. Isn't it sort of inappropriate how he dances? After goals, <laughs> like, <what? laughs> I say that like he was trying that out in that little Michael, video. Michael, why with... doesn't Pogba salute the troops after every goal? <laughs> I have to say, Lukaku definitely needed the four pieces. He had... he can go back to scoring those inconsequential late goals. <laughs> Listen, you notice how quiet he was when it was like very. You tight. just notice the fact that that every time they panned to to Jose Mourinho, like he was not. 
hype about them scoring goals, but the last one that Lukaku scored, he was like, yes! Yeah. Back on the score sheet! Um, this was a tighter game than I think the scoreline suggests. It was. Uh, and I, I do want to say shout-out to Yedlin Hive, wherever you are, if, you're, if, you, if you still have your stock. He had a pretty good game. He's f- so fast <laughs> on that first goal. Is there, yeah. any, is there anything else you'd like to say about him besides interesting hair? I'm not going to comment, but I'm, someone else <laughs> definitely should. Well, I was, Chris, you were talking about lineups, optimal lineups, yeah. lineups that we hadn't seen. And I think United, this was the first time, I believe. That Martial, that had, Lukaku, Pogba, Mata. Mar- yeah, Rashford. Rashford were all playing together. L- yeah. Lindelof. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they finally brought Lindelof out of out of witness protection, and he had that first goal. Like and the, he blew it. He he screwed up that first white goal, and that the slow mo replay. It it rarely makes you look better, but sometimes you can see like, oh, look at how this guy did. He not only slips on the on the on the shot. But he actually reaches his hand out for it, so it's like <laughs> he, he actually was saved even worse embarrassment than he that actually happened on uh, that first white Gale goal. It was uh, like it, <laughs> I love the like while that they were playing that slow by replay. It's just like I have no sympathy for a defend. I can't remember who it was that was uh, that was anchoring the match, but he was just like I've got no def- I've got no sympathy for a defender that slips. That just means that you are way out of position. <laughs> like you, you know what I liked about this game. We didn't talk about Jose Mourinho after it. Yeah, that was yeah. nice. That was nice. Also, hey, we need to acknowledge the fact that well, no, we can. We're, I, I, I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself. We're going to talk. No, about no, it. let's. That's the whole point of this. Let's get ahead of yourself. Okay, I'm just go saying that you. I, I well, <laughs> listeners, you can go and look at this. <laughs> Ryan O'Hanlon tweeting about at about Zlatan coming on and dropping in too deep in garbage time. <laughs> It was That's a very. It's a real issue. Yeah, <laughs> he was just trying to get into the rhythm of the game. And we noted that he's wearing the number ten now. He inherited the number ten from Rooney, so you know he's playing like a number ten. He kinda. is playing like a number ten. Uh, someone was saying that he'll become the Pirlo that Wayne Rooney has been trying to become, <laughs> which would be amazing. We just but can't have Lukaku playing on the wing. That looked horrible. Do you guys? It sort of goes back to what Chris just said, and Donnie alluded to it. Do you guys think that? Like, is this fully healthy Man U team good enough to give City a run? Like, if they had, if Pogba had been healthy the whole season, would, like, how big of a difference do you actually think it would have made? I think it would have made a big difference, personally. I think they would be not, how many points are they behind? Like, nine or something? I mean, they would be much, much closer. They're eight behind, yeah. Eight. Yeah. And they're they're 12 back on in goal difference. So, I, I mean, Ryan, we could talk about this now if you want to. I mean, it may not matter. You know, I mean, we. It, it may not matter whether or not uh, th- these are all our, our sort of um, zonal question marks, but Manchester City might be better than the Invincibles. Yeah, it's it's tough to say because you know, again, it's unfortunate from like a analysis perspective that Pogba is, was gone for pretty much all of their tough games. Like Newcastle's a, a tough team to play, but playing them at home is, you know, it's just not yeah. as not as difficult but it's like you watch you know you watch Pogba and it's just like you have this center mid who can take a guy off the dribble then play a perfect cross into the back post and then make like an 80 yard run to get on the end of a counter attack and it's like we're complaining about man you not being able to score Pogba kind of solves a lot of those issues in some way in addition to Rashford Martial and Lukaku being on the field at the same time 
Yeah, I mean, like, I think there was... It's just that it's like having a gear missing, like, in, in the... Or, or, like, there's something... Or the high-pressure steering hose is just the brakes or something. Yeah. It's like the car doesn't run... It, like, watching him play, like, say, bringing a ball... like cushioning a ball off of his head with John Joe Shelby on his back and then bringing it down, shrugging off the challenge, and then playing an outside of the football all the way across the field, switching the point of the attack onto like the on-rushing left back. <laughs> That's not like a thing that anybody else is doing when he's not around. Yeah, I guess it goes back to sort of the thing we've been talking about all season, which you kind of can't, you can't just plug Ander Herrera in for Paul Pogba and be like, do that. You know, yeah. no one else can do it. Um, but it's the league is better when he's playing. And, um, and and not for nothing with their full complement, you know, Fellaini came back as well off the bench. Zlatan, as we said, is now in the squad. It's a pretty fearsome looking lineup. Mm-hmm. And I think that they probably, if I were to call it now, are going to finish second. If everyone stays healthy, I would if say. Yeah, if everyone looks. stays healthy, which is a big if. Yeah, I think um, I, I think that's going to be sort of the story of the second half of the season is that uh, I don't know if United, <laughs> I, I, you know, I think a lot of it depends on what happens in Ch- in Champions League play and, and where teams' attentions are are, and I think you could make the argument that um, you know Deli Ali and Harry Kane were pulled out of that Arsenal game at a certain point for, with an eye on the Champions League. Yeah, but the the dogfight for three and four is going to be the most interesting story of the season, I think. Agreed. Totally yeah. agree. Uh, Ryan, do you want to say anything about um, our 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 man- blue Manchester overlords about about the the numbers that they're putting up right now? Um, I mean, they're we looked at it this past weekend. Like the Invincibles, the Arsenal team that went undefeated over the course of the season, two point three seven points per game, one point nine two goals per game, zero point six eight goals allowed per game. City are averaging 2.83 points per game, 3.33 goals per game, and 0.58 goals conceded per game. I mean, it's just... the. I don't know where they sit now, but going into this weekend's games, they had a top 25 goal differential, and that's through like 11 games or 12 games. And and beyond the numbers, I mean, last week I was extolling the virtues of the Invincibles DVD when we were talking about (laughs) soccer, soccer movies, but... If you look at their goals, the way they score the goals, I mean, talk about Pornhub. I think the the Jesus goal is it Jesus? Yeah, yeah Jesus. Was, yes, that I know we are getting flamed for saying it. Yeah, <laughs> the Jesus goal was like it was like a forty pass play, and it was so beautiful in the final third, especially the interchange. It, it reminded me; it, it was like Pierez, Lundberg, Bergkamp, Henri, uh, and they've been scoring tons of goals like that. So it's not only the numbers, but how they're scoring the goals that. Ha, they are building this aura around them of being kind of an invincible team. Yeah, and they they gave up zero shots on goal against Leicester. And Leicester's best chance, Leicester hits the post. 20 seconds later, the ball's in the net on the other side of the field. Right. Oh, yeah. So Vardy's like getting caught offside 17,000 times. Yeah. I'm now at the point where when Leroy Sané gets the ball in the final third, I think goal. Yeah. I am at the point where if mm-hmm. Kevin De Bruyne is running on goal within 40 feet of the goal, I think goal. I think that if Raheem Sterling breaks through on the right, it's getting cut back and it's a goal. I there There is no permutation of their style of play where I'm not ultimately thinking that the end result is a goal. Whereas like every time 
Arsenal goes down the wing and crosses. I'm like, there's no one there. You guys don't have <laughs> no to worry about that. And every time, you know, I, I've, there's so many different Liverpool exchanges where I'm like, Coutinho's going to like rise and fire from 43 feet and it's not going <laughs> to go in. But Manchester City now has trained me. It's the same thing with, um, I was watching the Warriors on Saturday and they were down, you know, huge to the Sixers, like 25. Yeah. And I was like, I was saying to people at the dinner party, I was, I was like, this is, this is Warriors are going to win. It's almost bad to be up on the Warriors. And it's there's a certain confidence that I have in City that I really only associate with the really the great sports teams I've ever seen. Well, let's look at the the next six. It's at Huddersfield, Southampton, West Ham. Win, win, at win. Uni- at United, which is a big one, obviously, Darby. It's huge. Swansea and then at Spurs. So I think the Spurs and the United ones could be difficult. But I th- if they clear that six and they go into the new year... Uh, unbeaten, it's certainly going to ramp up all this talk. Yeah, are they as good as? Are they better than? You know. Yeah, and that's yeah. and that's a new level of pressure, honestly, too. I mean, I mean, I think the the thing that I think about when you say that is like now, like this Manchester United Manchester City game, kind of is is not that important when it was supposed to be the game <laughs> of the season, you know, before the season started. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about Manchester United, some other Premier League teams, but let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Support for today's Ringer FC comes from Greats. Greats is Brooklyn's first sneaker company. With classic styles for both men and women, Greats made the best for less. All of their shoes are versatile for every moment, casual or formal, including bestsellers like the all-leather Royale lace-up and Worcester slip-on. No wonder GQ says that Greats is, quote, shaking up the sneaker store inventory flow, end quote, and they're, quote, building the next great footwear company, end quote, according to Forbes. These shoes really are as great as they sound. But if you are unhappy with your pair, you can exchange them or return them for a refund, no problem. So go grab a pair for yourself or someone you love. They make a perfect gift for the holidays. And now you can save 15% on your first purchase when you use the code FC. Just go to greats, that's G-R-E-A-T-S dot com, and use the offer code FC for 15% off your first purchase. It's a remarkable recovery. You come back a, a good month early, probably. Was, any, was there ever a moment you thought it might not happen? No, because lions, they don't recover like humans. <laughs> We're doing lions again, yeah? <laughs> we do the lion again, yeah. Welcome back. That was Zlatan Ibrahimovic you just heard from. And I'm just going to say something. <laughs> I'm kind of sick of Zlatan at this point. Me too. How and dare you? What's wrong if with I, you guys? How if dare st- you? If I stop recording, it's because he just burst into this room and karate kicked me. <laughs> <laughs> Like why? Like what do you? Why? How can you be? How? Explain it's yourself. Like here. Here's the thing. It's like I knew he was gonna say that in that post game interview. Like it, he's said stuff like that so many times that the best part about the interview is Zlatan says that he is a lion, and then Pogba just starts laughing because it's so stupid what Ibrahimovic just said. So you're you're mad that he has become a self aware meme of himself. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So, he's so self-aware now that it's like, I don't know. Like, did you guys see after Sweden made the World Cup, he tweeted, congratulations, Sweden. He put a Z at the beginning. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> I'm trying to think of who is American. Who's his American athlete analog? 
there is no one like him. That's yeah. That's, it's just like there's you can't. Nobody is so self absorbed and like gets away with it on such a large. I mean, like he part of his recovery. It's Kobe esque a little bit. <laughs> like Mamba, except for that he's like, <laughs> except for like he's. It's not a joke. It's not at all like a joke. A joke when Kobe's doing it. Yeah. Do Do you guys like? Should Ibrahimovic be starting for Manchester United? And like, can he just came back from a knee injury that's supposed to take him out of game for eighteen months? No, that's no, 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 no. If that is if that's really what happened, we need to acknowledge the fact that after like he he goes down in April with an injury against Anderlecht, you know, tears ACL. Probably like a month or two after that, he's back on the training pitch doing Hugo's, and then he's doing kickboxing training and posting pictures of himself next to Kong and Skull Island, and then comes back on two months ahead of schedule, and his first attempt on goal was a scissor kick. That is, I can't, I can't believe you said, "Are you tired of Zlatan Ibrahimovic?" Never. <laughs> it's, you just wait. No, but s- serious question though, like. <laughs> He's just gonna keep asking until we're like, damn dog, you really can Zlatan's bad. It's it's not no, I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying You're tired of like no, man, you so like Lukaku, Martial, Rashford, that's that's a nice front three. Like, say provided Ibra stays healthy, like he's not gonna wanna just sit on the bench, you know? So like what happens there? I mean, is Lukaku going to play on the wing? Like, I don't. I mean, Lukaku's going to be pissed Carabao if he's on the Cup. wing. <laughs> yeah, led Zlatan score hat tricks against Preston North End in the Carabao Cup. I mean, like, you only survive so long playing at the very top, tippy top of European football at what? He's 36 now. Um, <clears throat> like, by there being a bunch of different versions of yourself, there's Zlatan the Destroyer, Zlatan the Finisher, Zlatan the Provider. Like maybe was Zlatan he a defensive midfielder sub. at some point? Maybe Zlatan the super sub is is a new is a new thing. Maybe he can just come on and be the backbreaker. I think everything this will be determined. Not not to put too fine a point on it, but I think that uh, depends on how far Manchester United get in the Champions League. And I could see Mourinho uh, at one point, whether it's starting with Zlatan or bringing him off the bench, but he is going to do his Jose away in the Champions League bit where mm-hmm. he plays nine defenders and two big men up front, and I, I could just totally see Zlatan becoming very important to him at that point. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I could yeah, see that as well. True. I don't think it's for, like, I'm dreading, dreading you know, that. Do I shunt Lukaku off to the wing against Everton? I think it's <laughs> yeah. more like if we have, you know, if we were playing Real Madrid at the Bernabeu, do I want to have uh, a bunch of wingers out there and a bunch of inside forwards, or do I want to have... Zlatan as an option coming off the bench. That's fair. Um, I think it's going to end terribly, but we don't need to talk more about that. Um, (laughs) Second, or I guess our first zonal question mark of the day. This one's directed at Micah. Should Umar Nias become the first player ever hit with a retrospective diving ban? Uh, No. I mean, like, there was... Okay, so this is... Have you ever taken a dive? Have I ever taken a dive? Yeah. Uh... 
I plead the fifth. Um, <laughs> if, if you're not diving, you're not trying. You're not. You really aren't trying to 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 win. If you're if you're not just you know coloring a little bit outside of the rules of the game. Um, Everton squeaked by with a two two draw at Selhurst Park against Crystal Palace over the weekend. Uh, Crystal Palace, I think, scored first, and then uh, Everton tied it up. When Omar Niasi kind of rounded Scott Dan, maybe took a little bit of contact and went down kind of kind of easily in the box, and Leighton Baines evened it up, and the match finished two two. Everybody was freaking out because Crystal Palace hasn't won a game in forever, um, and like I, it's just like everybody was behaving as if Omar Niasi was the first person to ever go down easily in the box, <laughs> right? Um. I think it would be uh, kind of like ridiculous if he actually gets a retrospective diving ban for that because he did get shouldered in the chest. Scott Dan, after the game, uh, said that Nyasi conned the ref. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it sound like he's Bernie Madoff. I mean, it just <laughs> fell down. It's not, yeah. it's not that deep, Scott Dan. It really isn't. I, but we, I'd like I'd like Niasi's like cop, uh, his defense of himself because he says when I felt the contact I knew then he pushed me away the contact was on my upper body but when I felt the contact I was in the box so that was it that's all I had to do is go on the floor maybe it was because I was running so quick I you know I I think that I'd ask people to really think about it this this way when you're watching your team you support play and you see a guy and he doesn't go down off of really hard contact are you like bravo or you're like, God damn it. Because Sadio Mane did that this weekend where I felt like he was basically like making a point out of not going down against uh, uh, when they were p- playing against Southampton. And I was like, oh, that was a penalty. Like you had it. You like you got like yeah, shoulder is, barged in the in the in the box. This is but what I, I think about when I see that. If you're getting if you're getting manhandled and you don't get out of the box and then you miss, I'm thinking like you just attempted to care carry uh, a bed frame by yourself yeah. up to a four-story yeah. walk-up, and then you dropped it down the stairs at the top stair. Yes, like yeah, but think of all the like kids that are watching that, and they're just like, "Wow, he didn't dive." You know, <laughs> I, I'm never, never going to dive on or off the field. But, but Micah, to that point, what if you wow. get a score? Because I have seen, for example, Theo Walcott <laughs> has been. <laughs> you no, are a caricature of yourself. <laughs> He's. I've seen Theo him knock down, get up, and score. So it is possible. I think the thing we miss with some of this stuff is like most of the time when someone dives, it's also like the defender is doing something wrong. Like they're diving in, they're not getting the ball. Yeah. Like you you shouldn't be in a position where a guy could dive to draw a penalty. That means you're doing something wrong to begin with. Um, I and I don't think this was a dive back to this play. I mean, he got jostled. I agree. There was contact. So, I agree. Free know, Niasi. He, Free Niasi. He embellished. Pre-free Niasi. Okay. Third question, um, or second question. I don't know what number we're at. This one's directed at Chris. <laughs> Would you rather watch a Burnley game or another Madrid dar- derby? Honestly, Burnley's not bad. I, 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 don't, <laughs> I, don't, I can't actively recommend that people take time out of their weekend to watch them if they have other things to do. But they play pretty crisp. 
I, I really I, I didn't mind watching this match against. I mean, it was against Swansea. It was it was not the not, not the best <laughs> match I've ever seen. But uh, they have a couple of nice little players, and they did some like spring the fullback on an overlapping run, and then cut it back and have some. There was some like good stuff being played. They are just like a really cagey smart team, and I, I think maybe because we are saturated with. People trying to gig and press and do all this stuff, and and everybody's playing inverted six forwards and <laughs> you know fullbacks and defense central. That there was something almost, uh, it was like watching like a good action movie from the eighties. Where I was like, oh yeah, this is, you play four four two with some big dudes. Well, in some ways they're kind of like bargain basement Atletico Madrid. Yeah. Yeah, without without Griezmann, they, which might be for the best. Yeah, they can actually score. That's the difference between them and the <laughs> Oh, man. Um, uh. But they're having a very nice little season, and increasingly what I've really admired in the last couple of weeks is uh, Marco Silva and Sean Dyche both not going to Everton and uh, realizing that they have a pretty good thing on their hands. I mean, Silva could probably call his own shot at the end of the season if he keeps Watford do it going the way he's got him. And Sean Dyche, if he wants to, uh, can probably go to Everton next season. You know what I mean? Like, he can go and have a full summer at one of these clubs and really get to rebuild them however the way he sees fit. Right now, Burnley's 7th, and they are one point behind Tottenham. So I think that they uh, he's doing an incredible job. They're... they're 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 doing they're doing wonders considering the budget and considering the stadium that they play in. It's it's pretty amazing. I, I wouldn't be so sure that Silva is not going to take the Everton job no? this year. Yeah, I mean he Seems turned down like... twice the amount of money already, right? Yeah. Triple it, triple triple it. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I did to to convince you to work with me, Ryan. That's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I'm 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 in on Burnley. Would I rather watch it uh, instead of Real and Atletico? That was just tough because I I'd psychologically I'd really g'd myself up for that, I mean, and and then uh, I actually had to go run an errand, <laughs> so I was kind of like, oh, should I tape it and just pretend like it hasn't been happening? And I came back and it was like fifty seventh minute zero zero, and I was like, oh man, I'm glad I didn't stay home and watch this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it it was, but Atlético Madrid and Real Madrid, they're just worse versions of. The teams they used to be. Yeah, just um, play them on FIFA. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chris, you should have ran your errand, Chris. That's yeah. my retrospective advice. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick break. We've basically been torturing Donnie, not allowing him to talk about Arsenal until the end of the podcast. Um, but we're actually going to do that when we get back. Yeah. <laughs> Every year, millions of people receive the least liked gift of all time, underwear. But we still give it to our family and our loved ones who just don't want it. But maybe it's not that the underwear is the problem, it's the kind of underwear. Well, let me tell you about Me Undies, the only underwear that makes for an amazing gift. What makes it amazing? A soft, flexible waistband, material that's three times softer than cotton, naturally, sustainably sourced fiber, and of course, that diamond pouch. <laughs> MeUndies made underwear the perfect gift that everyone is going to love you for. It's a goddamn holiday miracle. This year, don't give underwear, give me undies. This holiday season, to get your exclusive 20% off the softest underwear and socks you'll ever wear, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com FC. That's MeUndies.com FC. Where's all them mouthy Tottenham fans now? Yeah? 
You mouthy bastards. <laughs> Talking about power shift. Are you mad? Where's that guy that troops done the preview with this week? Champagne football. <laughs> Fuck off. Scrap. Pop, 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 pop. Know what I mean? That's the real football there. Get back in your swamp and know your place. End of story. We run North London. You might have been better than us, and you might have been doing a few little things better than us recently, but you will never be a bigger club than us, so shut the fuck up. So, over the weekend, Arsenal, uh, Minnow, Premier League Minnow, uh, <laughs> won 2 to nothing against Tottenham, it's sort of the the hottest non Man City or Man City team in the Premier League. Let's just we're just gonna clear the floor for Donnie. Oh, you don't need to clear the floor for me, but I think Mind the gap <laughs> <laughs> Wow, what a satisfying win. It was so satisfying that I didn't at all try to temper my joy after the match and think, why haven't we seen this lineup more often? Where was this? Why can't we do this in other big games? I mean I just enjoyed the victory every minute of it, and it was a dominant one. And I think for all the talk of power shifts that, you know, pundits were discussing heading into the match, there there has been a shift, and the shift is in expectations. And I think, you know, Arsenal being, according to the media, such a heavy underdog going into the according game. To according to the media. To the media. <laughs> <laughs> Donnie, how long is your beard right now? Donnie, how long have you been in the media, <laughs> where, man? Where, Come on! Why, uh, are you guys, why, why are you guys roasting are me? Are you wearing fingerless gloves? <laughs> oh. Did you not see that the Daily Mail did a combined 11 that was consisted of all Spurs players? Before, I did. And, go, and and that's the Daily Mail. The Guardian did one, and they only had three Arsenal players. I'm not. It's not to say that uh, Tottenham weren't aren't worthy of the hype. It's just interesting to me that... <laughs> Of all the talk about power shift, it's really just a shift in expectations. And it was interesting to see after the match uh, all the flack, actually, that Pochettino is now suddenly getting. And how can't do it in a big game. (laughs) And all the narratives that usually trail the Arsenal are now trailing Spurs. And I think that's quite funny. It's the Emirates curse. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, we were talking about how Pochettino was on a cloud, riding a cloud of goodwill not too long ago. And And then suddenly after the game, everyone noticed that his record against top six clubs was one, six, and (laughs) ten. Exactly. And... (laughs) And the, they're not going to win it. They're probably not going to win a trophy this year. They're, a lot of their best players might be itching to leave next summer. And all of a sudden, it's like Arsenal in crisis becomes Tottenham in crisis. Tottenham was never really thought of as a being in a crisis before because they weren't considered a big team. But now they are. And this is what a big team has to face, this kind of scrutiny. So, yes, very satisfying. Very satisfying to see Mesut Ozil you know, run his socks off and play so, extremely well. What happens What happens when Sean Dyche comes to town and dicks on you next week with Burnley? <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think, if you know, they're level on points, as you mentioned. I mean, uh, Burnley and Arsenal are one behind Spurs. So, it, it, you know, I mean, it's like it, I wouldn't be surprised. It, it, you know, it's a week-to-week league, and, and at, we call it, as we call it, massive overreactions. These things happen, but you're still not going to get me off my cloud. Can you talk Chris. to me a little bit about the god Mustafi? Who then also came out and just told all of the lamestream media to eat shit after the game? (laughs) Mustafi's captain material, man. I mean, like, the way he was sliding into blocks, like, at least a couple times, Harry Kane was like, you know, Harry Kane, money from everywhere, supposedly, and and all of a sudden you see number 20. (laughs) All you eggheads with your (laughs) spreadsheets. You and your math. 
But this is, you know, uh, this, uh, this is a thing. I mean, like Arsene Wenger, for all the stick he gets, he understands that it's a long season and he stays pretty even keeled. I mean, just not too long ago, Mustafi, according to the media, wanted out. <laughs> and he had the performance of his life over the weekend. And then now he's like an integral part of Arsenal's defense. So, you know, it's like, you know, again, things can change really quickly, but it's very satisfying to have a win that, I mean, outside of some refereeing quibbles uh, that I see Spurs fans talking about. Um, if you're an Arsenal fan, there's not a negative thing you can say after that match. I mean, it was like a very solid performance. And Ryan, I wanted to ask you about, uh, not necessarily, we can get back to the game if you wanted to, but I wanted to ask you a bit about the new addition to the Arsenal decision-making brain trust. Yeah, they just hired uh, sort of the head scout um, from Borussia Dortmund uh, to be their head of recruitment. He, you know... Essentially built, helped build the team that Jurgen Klopp won. Sven uh, Mislintat. Yes, yeah. Sven Mislintat uh, looks exactly what you might expect him to look like. Um, he, he looks like German Tom York. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he wow. actually just that looks is, like Tom York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was like, Tom York looks like <laughs> German <laughs> Tom. It's, it's uncanny. Yeah, actually. and he yeah. is responsible for finding or signing Robert Lewandowski. Uh, Obamayang, Kagawa, Dembele. And the chatter, I guess, is that this is starting, this is the most early seeds being planted for the post-Venger life. So, post-Venger. Ryan, well, is, that, first... is that a Tuchel signal? No, the so this guy had a falling out with Tuchel. Oh, um, okay. Tuchel, Tuchel asked that he not be allowed to come to training sessions. So that's sort of ultimately, I think, what uh, led him to want to leave the club. So unfortunately not. Um, but the thing I'll say is like, you know, I when I Arsenal great game against Tottenham, they're legitimate top four contenders, better than I thought they were gonna be this year. But at the end of the day, you look at it and it's like Mustafi, they almost sold him this past summer, and you know, Sanchez and Ozil, we have no idea what the future holds with them. They could sign contracts with new teams in January. This is like the first move where I've been like okay arsenal is thinking a couple years ahead yeah um and you know lacazette is actually playing now so like (laughs) it's just they're it seems like they're thinking beyond the net tomorrow they're thinking beyond arsene wenger finally um which i think for arsenal fans is something you haven't seen really at all great weekend for gooners man last 72 hours been great Unfortunately, Burnley comes to town next weekend. <laughs> Ryan, what would you say? Uh, did you think that maybe uh, Tottenham did have an eye on this Dortmund game? I think so, a little bit. Um, I think the bigger thing is like, I mean, they're like, they're going to go through in this Champions League group, so I don't, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. They, yeah. they could have taken this Dortmund. <laughs> Dortmund's got two I, points. I, I think they. The bigger thing here is like two to six. The teams are very, very close in quality level. So, like, Tottenham's had a bunch of impressive performances, but, like, we shouldn't expect them to beat all of the top six teams every time they play them. Mm. So I think, to me, that's kind of what this whole result is. It's basically what Donnie was saying. Tottenham is, they have a high ceiling, but they're not, they're not like, beating Real Madrid. They're not putting in that performance every single weekend, you know? Mm. And Arsenal, we just because they're not in the Champions League and their summer was kind of 
haphazard, we naturally underrate them. But like ultimately, it's a top six team winning a game at home. <laughs> so it's actually like it's what Donnie was saying. The expectations are what make it seem like such a crazy result. But when you actually think about it, it's like this team has Mesut Ozil and Alexi Sanchez, and they won a game at home that two years ago we would have expected them to win every time. Exactly. You know? Yeah, that's a good point. Also, oh, I was media. thinking about this with the with the United win over Tottenham uh, two weeks back. Is that like while it was a one zero win and it was like immediately after we were talking about whether or not Jose Mourinho is bad for the team? But the the thing that really you should have taken away from that is that Tottenham are really like here for real because yeah. he played them like a massive side like as in i have to now frustrate them and grind them down to nubs and then maybe try to snatch the three points right there at the end yeah but i think you know we like i was saying we sort of we were probably all guilty of overrating tottenham so that a couple podcasts ago when i said are we not talking about them enough i shouldn't have asked that question we should have just not been talking about (laughs) this is your apology your apology to donnie clock donnie do you accept his apology I do. Well, I'm sorry. What, what were you apologizing for? For, for, for <laughs> overrating Tottenham. Oh, for overrating them? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they're overrated, actually. I just think they're... You're just Arsenal's just a superior just, club in every way. No, I think the two clubs are even, you know, yeah. are, are fairly even. But I, I do think they were the hype, again, like, I think everybody, you know, everybody was pointing at them to, to really, you know, paint North London white. Uh, yeah, uh, over the weekend, and it didn't happen. So. Yeah, I, I think we can all agree. Once, how it, that is true, but once they lose to Dortmund, it's potch out. Yep, <laughs> you're right. And once, and when Ars- once Arsenal lose to Burnley, it's going to be Wenger out. So, exactly, it's the it's the nature of the Premiership or a Premier League team. Yeah. So we'll be back next week with some more complete overreactions um, to the Premier League. Um, <laughs> probably some Champions League talk too, but. Thanks from Donnie Kwok, Chris Ryan, Micah Peters. Captain Um, Mustafi. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. (laughs) Uh, I'm Ryan O'Hamlin. Thanks, guys. We'll see you in a week. Bye.